0: hello this is jane gunn the corporate peacemaker and author of how to beat bedlam in the boardroom and boredom in the bedroom and this podcast is about how we can gain a better understanding of some of the aspects of conflict to help us lead happier and more productive lives so i'm speaking today to dixie gillespie who is a coach to entrepreneurs and in particular she helps them to blast through brick walls and to tap into their passion and purpose so dixie welcome
1: Thank you, Jane. I'm so glad to be on the program with you, even though I'm sitting in the United States and you're in the UK. It's marvelous what techn- technology can do. And
0: we just compared notes and you've got sunshine and I've got rain, but never mind about that. <laughs>
1: I'll, I'll send some your way, really. Please I've got do. enough to share.
0: <laughs> Please do. So, Dixie, tell us a little bit more about you and how you came to be doing what you are now, in particular, helping people blast through brick walls. I'm really fascinated to hear about that.
1: Well, you know, it's it's a funny thing how when we start paying attention to what we do and we start paying attention to how other people see what we do, sometimes a brand and language grows out of that. Because when I first started coaching, I did what most coaches do. I approached it from a you know, coaching is a couple steps away from therapy. In fact, I have an attorney here that I work with that laughs and says, I'm a therapist for business. And and I tell her, look, you know, I'd be practicing without a license. Don't be getting me in trouble like that. But, um, but my first brand was very much that, you know, soothing colors and and it was very much on target for my market Mm -hmm. and it didn't express me at all. And, when I started having people kind of reflect back to me the explosive intense nature of work with me at first Jane I thought I was I was kind of doing something wrong <laughs> it, was, it was like oh maybe I need to tone this down a little bit and I realized so much of that is conditioning because I grew up in an environment where explosive and girls were not supposed to go together
0: No way. <laughs> And, uh, you know, calm things, don't
1: you? Yes, exactly. We were supposed to be nurturing and the caretakers. I actually had somebody say to me, you're very nurturing, about like a mother tiger. (laughs) Like, okay. But, you know, it it didn't fit my paradigm of what I should be as a female professional. Uh And that actually got me thinking a lot about the I can'ts and the shoulds and realizing that I've never, I mean, from the time that I was a little bitty thing, my least favorite word was can't. If you told me can't, I immediately set out to prove I could too. (laughs) And that that can get you in a lot of trouble, but it it makes for a lot of, a lot of great stories for your parents to tell. I'll I'll give you that. But what actually happened around the whole language of Blast Through was when I signed up for Twitter, and I just went back to an old nickname that I had when I was in grade school, and again, when I was on the speaking circuit as a medical consultant of Dixie Dynamite, because it was just like, I didn't expect to stay on Twitter. I had no idea what it was about. I just needed a username that I would remember, basically. <laughs> And so I did that, and it was actually an event uh, called Extreme Business Makeovers, which I'll be doing again this year. And Bob Berg called out my name as Dixie Dynamite, and everybody was clapping and yelling and acting like they knew me. And out of a room of about 250, I probably actually knew 50 of them, which isn't a bad percentage, but really the other 200 were excited too. And I realized it was because they could relate to that explosive Quality and I thought yeah. I had to rethink the should I had to think well maybe that's not such a bad thing, so I started moving toward a lot of you know if if people want explosions if explosions actually aren't always a destructive thing if they can be a very constructive thing I started looking at models for uh, explosions dynamite in a constructive environment. And realizing that, you know, one of the things that I have always looked for when I work with a client, the first thing I look for is what kind of barriers are you building between you and your reality and what you say you want? Mm-hmm. And that really started my whole process from the time I started even medical consulting to the time that I was doing more coaching to the time that I started focusing just on entrepreneurs and entrepreneurially minded people. And so the the brick walls kind of grow out of that because I realized we build those barriers like another brick in the wall as the song goes um, out of, I can't, I should, I must, um, you know, and we just kind of construct them. And then frankly, sometimes we hide behind them. And that was the other thing I realized is that, and I've, I've done it. I mean, most of this work I did by trying to figure out how to get where I wanted to go, not just how I work with clients. It was looking at where I am, what path I wanted to be on and wondering why I kept seeing these brick walls in my path and breaking that down and, and recapturing personal power, which is a, another story. But um, that's just kind of how that, that terminology evolved was if there are brick walls in your path, you know, why? peek around them? Why go to the trouble to climb over them? You know, just blast through them and let's move forward if that's the direction you really want to go.
0: I like the metaphor very much. So, Dixie, what are some of the challenges and conflicts that entrepreneurs are finding or actually creating into those brick walls?
1: Well, I actually, you know, I say there are four types of of walls or four types of bricks that we use. And um, most of the I can't because so I always kind of start people with the fill in the blanks. So if, if you and your audience can just think for a minute, if you filled in one blank of what I really want to do is. And sometimes that's as a life purpose, big umbrella what I really want to do. This is what outcomes I want to create in the world. And I know what my purpose here on earth is. And sometimes it's like, what I really want to do is right now, this month, this is what I want to do because it will lead me closer to my purpose. Um, But whatever that is, what I really want to do is almost inevitably people would fill in the next blank with, but I can't because. And then there are people who say, well, I wouldn't say can't. I know better than to say can't. Can't's a bad word. So they'd say, I haven't yet because. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And see, it's okay to say can't. If you have a belief system around can't, by all means, express it so that we can challenge it. But it came down really to four things. Circumstance. So it might be. I can't because I don't have a degree. I can't because I'd have to move to another part of the country, I or another part of the world. You know, I can So it was it was circumstantial, and some circumstances can be changed, some can't. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're saying what I really want to do is uh, dance ballet, and you know, you're as I am, you know, in your forties <laughs> and have never danced ballet in your life. <laughs> that's a circumstance probably isn't going to shift for you. Um, so circumstances were, were one style was another and style by style. What I mean is when we say, I want to do that and we fill in the blanks, I want to do it like someone else. So I often actually use Bob Berg as an example. If I said, I want to teach the go giver, but I can't because I can't do it like Bob Berg. Mm -hmm. Well, Yeah, you're right. I can't. (laughs) But, I, you know, I can develop my own style of teaching the the go-giver. And he's been so supportive in that. So style is a big one. Um, He and I actually did a a great dialogue for the, um, the Dynamite Dialogues package around style and around the way he developed his own style, which is fabulous. The next is consequences. I can't do that without risking this, or maybe I can't do that without this happening or without giving up this you know it's a which is more is it worth it yes and then the last one is design and it's tricky because people say what I really want to do is and then they describe it so completely I mean they've got that movie plot figured out from the time that you know you see the title to the to the closing credits and they want it to go exactly that way and it's quite possible that it cannot go exactly that way and I always tell people crying over that is like, you know, the, the kid crying because the circus has left town. It's like you can see a different circus, you can see that circus in a different town, You can, but you cannot see that performance of that circus in that town.
0: So that's different that than does... having a vision because obviously, you know, we're all encouraged to have a very clear vision of what we want, but what you're saying is if that vision is too specific, so there's no there's no movement in that, then we may be going down a blind alley.
1: Movement is such a, Beautiful way to describe it, Jane, because sometimes it's, it's, you know, I always tell people it's kind of like designing a trip. If you said you wanted to go to Greece and you had the whole thing planned out of the places you wanted to visit and, you know, where you wanted to eat and who you wanted to meet and it, that's a great vision. Mm. But let's say one of those places is closed for construction. Are you going to throw the whole vision out the window or if you could, are you going to allow it to move around that and say, well, what else is there? And, and still have that perfect experience, but not exactly the design that you started with. So I'm a big believer in clear visions, but I'm a big believer in understanding what about that vision inspires you and what about it appeals to you. Because if you know what that higher level purpose, goal, experience, you know, gift, learning, whatever it may be is, that your design would have supplied for you then you can move to another way of, of experiencing it another way of getting that gift another way of getting that learning if that becomes unavailable
0: so we look then or you look then uh, dixie at circumstances at style at consequences and design and then help people to understand what is creating the barrier for them
1: and and not so much what is creating the barrier but how they have created the barrier yes. because none of those things are real yes. in that they aren't really barriers now sometimes I, I tell people understand the difference between a barrier and a barricade mm-hmm. um, sometimes it's really a, a barrier that is between us and and our desire sometimes it's also a barricade that we create to protect us from doing something scary So, you know, I I help them look at that. How much of this is is a belief system, a paradigm that you've bought into because it keeps you from stepping forward into unknown territory? Um, And people say it's just an excuse. I I had this – some of this started because um, a client that I work with said, I don't like to use can't. It's just an excuse. It is not just an excuse. It's a very deep-seated belief system. And I always tell people, the first thing that you'll deal with when you look at brick walls is your own conditioning. And the next thing that you'll deal with is the conditioning of everyone around you. I mean, think about how hard it was for me to step up and say, Hey, I have a very explosive style and a very explosive way of dealing with barriers. I'm not the gently dismantle it kind of coach. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's just yeah. And I had this.
0: You just like <laughs> the touch. You just like the touch paper, and
1: right, exactly. <laughs> so I had to deal with my own conditioning, my conditioning around what I thought others' conditioning would be. And yes, I still deal with the conditioning of other people on a regular basis. Yeah. I still get rejection and people that say, "Oh yeah, you're dynamite," whatever, and you know, people have their conditioning. So it's not excuses. But what we start with is to help break down which parts of the wall kind of belong in which categories, what things can be addressed, what things frankly aren't worth it, um, and how we can redesign. And I always talk about redesign instead of reframe because it really is, you know, like you said, it's, it's movement, it's flow, it's following to some extent the the most natural course, not necessarily the course of least resistance, but the most natural course for them that makes it feasible and and takes that I can't out of the equation.
0: Yeah, I like the idea of redesigning. That sounds much more creative than, uh, you know, breaking something down and thinking, well, I don't think there's anything to replace it. You know, you're building a new new wall or a new palace or whatever, you know, whatever you're rebuilding. Mm
1: Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, you know, you can always redesign the dream if you understand what it was about that dream that made it so beautiful. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And I love I think we talked about this before, uh, Dixie, Randy Pausch, who did the last lecture, uh, which Mm -hmm. is uh, you can watch it on YouTube. I've done several times and sent it to my daughters and all sorts of things. But he talks about brick walls being there for a purpose not to keep you out but to prove that you want whatever it is enough and then to keep out the people who don't want it as much as you do. So to keep out the rest. I like that idea.
1: <laughs> you know, I, I do too. And, you know, Jane, it's it's funny because we, we did talk about that and I, I thought about it a lot after our first conversation. and. The first, I call them blasting caps. There are four questions that I teach people to use to challenge the bricks in the wall. And I call them blasting caps because a blasting cap is that small primary device that you use. And actually in um, demolition, it's used to create a controlled Explosion, because it's used to to create weaknesses in certain places in the structure, so that when you hit it with the real dynamite, it collapses in a somewhat controlled manner. And I I like that metaphor because it's not just to go in willy nilly and blow everything to bits and then see what we have left. (laughs) You know, really, I'm not quite quite you know that that much intense. So it's it. I look at these as if we use each of these questions very strategically in order, we can create weaknesses in the, the belief system that's been holding them back and the viewpoint that has been, you know, creating this, this tunnel vision for them. And then when you hit it with the, the real dynamite, it's not such a huge, oh my gosh, my whole worldview just blew up. Yeah. So I start with, do I really want it? And it's exactly what Randy's talking about. Yeah. You know, if you don't really want it, And it's a, I should want it, um, you know, this is what I ought to be doing. This is what people have told me I'm good at, whatever the case may be. Or if it's a, you know, I wanted this at some point in my life and I just got fixated on it. And if I step back and really look at where my life is now, I realize that isn't even what I want anymore. Mm -hmm. That happens a lot. If that's the case, you're not going to put the energy behind it. And I think that's exactly what he was trying to say is that, Sometimes those walls are there, mostly because we are not putting the energy into moving down that path. And we're not putting the energy into moving down that path because that isn't really what we want at our deepest level. And if we could all easily do anything we wanted to do, if every choice was easy, we'd never put the energy behind any one thing. So,
0: Do I really want it is the is the first thing you have to really test or we have to test ourselves in 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 deciding whether it's even worth putting the energy in. Because obviously, I like the uh, metaphor of explosion because you do need that dynamic energy to be able to achieve spectacular things, don't you?
1: Mm -hmm. And everybody exhibits energy in a different way. It's like the internal light. I actually do a keynote about that, the passion being the internal light and the purpose being then the way that we fuel that internal light and everybody's is different. You know, some people are that very gentle, you know, the, the fire in the hearth, very controlled burn, very comforting. And some people are more like a bonfire and whatever your internal light is, is what it needs to be, but it's the fueling it that matters. And if you're pursuing something that doesn't really light your fire, so to speak. There's a, there's a reason we coined that phrase, does it light your fire? Um, if you're pursuing something that doesn't, then there will be no passion to sustain you and it, it'll be a struggle. Everything will feel like a struggle.
0: So what what else do people need to understand to be able to get the direction right here, Dixie?
1: Well, there's so much work, Jane. Behind, do I really want it? And examining, mm-hmm. you know, the the what and the why. So often, people get the hows before the what and the why. And I, I always say, you know, why will always trump how. I don't care how much you you what kind of business plan you've got. If you have no why behind it, if it's not something you really want, yeah. then the hows won't matter. Yes. And the truth is, if you know exactly why you want it and what it is then the house tend to manifest themselves. People don't believe that, but I've seen it proven over and over and over. So the first thing is the really want it. But the next question I challenge them with is really twofold. First, do I have permission? And the second thing I do is do a permission audit with them. Who have they given veto rights to? Who else is in charge of permission for them? Yes, interesting. Because if you really want it, but you feel like you don't have permission, that's so stunting, and it, it's a it's a it's not only frustrating. People say that's frustrating. No, really, it's far more than frustrating. It is like the perfect rose sitting there, you know, trying to grow on air. Yes.
0: Um,
1: it's it's stunting. So we go through the the permission, the permission audit, if it's not somebody else in charge of permission, then why are they withholding permission from themselves? Mm -hmm. You know, is it guilt? Is it worthiness issues? It's there's a huge amount of work around. Why do I feel like I shouldn't, um, I mustn't, I should do something else. Where's, where's the permission? Um, and then we go through the, okay, if you really want it and you have permission and you're still not doing it and you're saying, I can't, then maybe the "I can't" is a fallacy. Have you ever read um, James Blasco teaching the elephant to dance?
0: No, I'd like to read that. <laughs> Just oh, because I, I, love, I, I love dancing and the idea of an elephant.
1: <laughs> I think you would enjoy it so much because it's about organizational change, uh-huh. um, and it's you know the, the kind of the manager is change change agent. But in the beginning of the book, he tells the story of why working elephants have a chain around their ankle and it's because of the way that they are conditioned. Remember what I said about, you know, conditioning is everything. So the, as a baby elephant, they're chained to a tree and they fight and they dance and they carry on and throw their temper tantrum like babies do when they don't get what they want. And we should all learn to do that more often, quite frankly, um, is fight for what we want, not necessarily a temper tantrum, but you know, really put the effort into getting what we want. So it puts the effort into getting what it wants, which is freedom. And it finds out it physically can't. And, That just continues until the adult elephant, thank goodness for these long memories that that elephants have, because it remembers that as long as there is a chain around its ankle, it is not free. So sometimes for all of us, there was a time that we couldn't have done it. We hadn't learned enough. We weren't adult enough. We weren't emotionally mature enough. We weren't whatever enough to achieve that dream. So we've been conditioned to believe that we can't. So the next thing is really, is it true that I can't? Or was it true at some point and it's not true anymore? Um, and, you know, that's a big one. And then the last thing that I go back and work with them is ultimately that can I redesign it? Because if you really want it, you have permission. And for some reason you've come into this, it is true that I can't exactly that way. Then we work on, okay, if we can't do it that way, how can it happen? Because it, it, there's really nothing. Once you get down to this is why you want what you want. This is the outcome that you're really craving. There's, there's pretty much nothing that can't happen. Um, I'm not, I'm not a believer in limitations. You know, Richard Bach said, argue for your limitations and they are yours. And so many people, when they build brick walls, that's exactly what they're doing Are arguing for their limitations.
0: So Dixie you've created for me at least and I'm sure for everybody else who's listening a wonderful image of you know the brick walls that we have the fact that we can carefully deconstruct them in a way we can blast our way through them but we can create something which is even better than the brick wall which is our new design um, which is really about exactly what we really want having understood why we want it and where we're going with it all and that redesign a process I think sounds sounds really exciting and I'm sure you find that that's where people get really excited in rebuilding their their dreams really.
1: They do. And But you know Jane, the other thing that I always remind them, it's like building anything else. You know, you will encounter brick walls because what was wonderful today yes. only moved you closer to something else that's wonderful that's still out there. Yeah. Um, you know, it's like it's like mastery. You're never done. I, I was speaking with a young man on a flight recently who's a dance student, and he said he can always see places to improve his work. But he was pretty sure that Martha Graham pretty much nailed it every time. And I said, no, 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 because Martha Graham can now see possibilities from her level of mastery yeah. that you can't see yeah. yet. And I think that's the other thing people need to be prepared for is the vista keeps opening up. You, you blast through that brick wall, you move down the path, you build this castle right now, and suddenly you're in a place where you can see vistas you couldn't see before and you want to go there. And there are going to be brick walls between you and there, but you've developed skills to blast through them and move forward and move forward and move forward. And that's that's really our our, our highest purpose, our highest right is to keep moving forward and keep making improvements in ourselves and in the world.
0: And, well, that's wonderful. And, and to know that we can do it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's exactly what I hope people take away from, you know, pretty much anything that I do, whether it's a conversation, a, a, a you know, speaking engagement, a product, a coaching engagement, whatever it is, is not just, okay, I got through that brick wall, but really a, a process, an approach to knowing what to do anytime they encounter a brick wall.
0: With Dixie, I'm tremendously inspired by what you've talked us through this morning. I'm sure everybody else is. Um, and time is always too short on these podcasts. I could I could talk for hours more. <laughs> but whether people would carry on listening, um, I don't know. But um, do you have one key piece of advice, one nugget of all of that that people could just take away if they only take one thing away from today?
1: Yes. And that is exactly what we said about why it's, it's all about purpose. So anytime that you get stuck, I always tell people what change, do you most enjoy seeing? And it can be a little thing like something getting built or some something, you know, an entire organization being, you know, completely reorganized. So for you, it might be people leaving the negotiation table with everyone feeling they at least got something that they wanted. You know, maybe that's that one thing that every single time it lights your fire. But if you tap into what really lights your fire, the rest of it flows from that.
0: Well, I'm certainly inspired by that, and I'm sure everybody else is, Dixie. And thank you very much indeed for taking the time with us this morning. I really appreciate it.
1: Well, good. I I always enjoy conversation with you, Jane, and you let me do all the talking this time. but, um, But you shared so much with me that gave me food for thought too, and I appreciate that.
0: Oh, thank you, Dixie. Thank you very much indeed.